This is your woo-woo best friend, a show about attainable transformation. Hi, it's Andy, and this is your woo-woo best friend. I am here in Bali. We have an episode we're bringing to you from this beautiful island today. If you missed last week's episode all about manifesting using goddess energy, that episode was quite a hit. You guys were feeling the goddess energy and... I hope that you are feeling these island vibes from afar, from wherever you are. My hope for you is that in future we get to travel together and you can join me on this island or another one somewhere else. We're going to tell you today about our next retreats coming up. We've had so many requests for details on where we're going next. We do have Palm Springs coming up later this year, and then we have two retreats that we're going to tell you about during this episode for 2024. I also want to mention we still have Manifestation Blueprint doors open. So if you are feeling that manifesting with goddess energy sort of vibe, it is time to get into Manifestation Blueprint and take your manifestation practice to the next level really use this spring season to call in your ideal future. So I want to mention that that course doors are open for you. We have the doors open until April 10th. If you are listening to this episode after April 10th, go ahead and get on the wait list. We will reopen the course again this summer around the summer solstice. We open the course several times a year, adding new content each time. We have a new workbook all around manifesting love that we added for this spring season. And our goal is to constantly be bringing you new, really juicy just juicy stuff to help you with your manifestation practice. This episode is sponsored by Seed, the probiotic made by science. I've been taking Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic, which is a two-in-one daily probiotic and prebiotic. The prebiotic is a polyphenol sourced from pomegranate skin and is non-fermentative. So it's less likely to cause stomach discomfort compared to Other prebiotics, DSO-1 is formulated with strains that have benefits going beyond gut health like skin and heart health, and all 24 strains have been clinically or scientifically studied. Something I didn't know until I was introduced to seed, most probiotics don't actually make it into your gut alive. For my probiotic girlies, you are likely spending your dollars on something that's being marketed really well but isn't making an impact on your health. DSO-1's capsule and capsule Viacap protects the bacteria from oxygen, moisture, and heat through shipping, and then safeguards the bacteria's viability from stomach acid and bile salts so they are 100% alive when they reach the parts that they need to get to, uh uh-huh, your colon, to make a difference in your health. I was especially interested in seed after having some challenges last year that my nutritionist thought may be a gut barrier integrity issue. It was all pretty awful, and I knew I needed to make some adjustments. Those issues caused 
challenges with my gut immune health and manifested as skin inflammation, I started by making some major diet changes, which started the process of supporting my gut and skin health. And over the last month, as I've been taking DSO-1, I've noticed even clearer, glowier, smoother skin, and more regularity than ever before. If you're interested in checking out Seed, you can learn more at seed.com slash girl. That's seed.com slash O-U-I-W-E-G-I-R-L and use my code girl. O-U-I-W-E-G-I-R-L at checkout for 25% off your first month's supply of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. If you decide to give Seed a try, send me a note and let me know how it's working for you. I also want to remind you to check out our show sponsor, Women's Meditation Network. You can find them at womensmeditationnetwork.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. Women's Meditation Network shows have been amazing in helping me to get over my jet lag when I've been traveling so much, whether it be London or Stockholm or Bali. I am specifically using the Sleep Sounds Meditation for Women, and I'm using it every night. These are one-hour sounds-only meditations, and it's so easy to just press play on your favorite podcast app and then fall asleep with ease. You can choose between sleep meditation music, ambient and natural sounds, binaural beats, white noise, and more. Follow Sleep Sounds Meditation for Women by the Women's Meditation Network wherever you listen to podcasts and start listening for free today. Now, let's get into the episode. I have invited our dear friend, Samantha Miker, who is a member of my team here at the podcast to join us for a conversation all around wellness trends and what is happening out there on the internet. So welcome, my friend, Samantha Miker, back to the show. Hi, Samantha. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Andy? Good. So we are here in Bali recording in our retreat hotel. And it's lovely. <laughs> it's so lovely. <laughs> All of our retreats, ladies, have officially departed. And we are working here in Bali for another couple of days and then enjoying the adventures that we've had an opportunity to explore already a little bit further. And we wanted to sit down together and record this episode. Yeah, and it definitely, I know somebody um, from our retreat put this in our little group chat, but it definitely feels like there's like a part of us that is missing now that the Aww. retreat is over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if you're listening to this episode and you've been following along with the retreat on social and via our newsletter list, big news, we are announcing two new retreats for 2024. You and I have been working on those while we've been here. We will be going, should I share where we're going? Should we tell? I think it's time. Okay. I think we know. Okay. So we're going to be going in 2024 to Mallorca, a beautiful island off the coast of Spain, one of my very favorite, favorite, favorite places in the world. And we will be coming back here. We just can't get enough. So we'll be coming back here in the fall of 2024. And of course, we still have a very minimal amount of space in Palm Springs. As we record this, we still have two spots remaining in Palm Springs. So if you want to join us in Palm Springs this year, this 
August, you can still do that too. Yes. Yes. Very, very exciting stuff. Yeah. So our episode today, we you're back, obviously. And when you join us, these episodes, everybody loves them. These episodes do so well for us. Everybody wants to hear what is going on in the world of wellness trends, manifestation trends, what you're seeing on TikTok in the beauty categories as well. So you've brought a list today of some things that are about our mental well-being, manifestation, of course, some interesting things we're seeing out there in the world of fitness, in the world of retreats, and our beauty routines. Yes, yes. We have a lot to cover, shall we? get right into yeah, it. Yeah, let's get right into it. So topic one, one of the things that you're going to tell us about today is the friendship recession and why living near your friends may be good for your health. Yes. So you've probably heard whispers about an economic recession, but do you do you know what a friendship recession is? Have you heard this term before? I haven't heard the term. So when I saw it in the notes that you put together for the show, I thought about I thought about how our friendships have changed over the last couple of years and this isn't necessarily you're going to tell us what it is because I don't I definitely don't know what it is, <laughs> but it really got me thinking about how I've been a lot more selective about who I get really close to. And that's something that's happened based on what we've experienced over the last couple of years, I think. Yeah. So I thought that this would be something interesting to talk about, especially since we just came off of this retreat where all these women who were strangers very quickly became really, really great friends and how important those bonds were. Yeah. Not just for like, you know, making the retreat fun, but you could tell that the stress was lower, that their day-to-day routines were um, were better because like they had way support. Better. Yeah, yeah, because they had like supportive friends around them who were like aligned with what their values totally. were. Like quitting Diet Coke, yes. making complete <laughs> like shifts in food choices. Actually not snoozing my alarm so much, (laughs) right? so much because I had people that I had to go see. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. There was definitely so much of that going on. And also a like marked rise in confidence and willingness to claim your future. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So basically, if we kind of circle back... A friendship recession, it's basically this idea that compared to the 1960s, um, sociologists are finding that we, specifically in the United States, are we have less friends. And it's really hard to measure and quantify friendships. And it's probably even harder with social media to understand, you know, who people are counting as their friends. Um, but... What we do know is that COVID, okay, the COVID pandemic definitely tested our friendship networks and broke them down. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what I meant when I said I've been a lot more selective about who I'm spending time with. There were friendships that for me really became 
like really dialed in during that time. And there were friendships that completely fell away during that time. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely experienced the same thing. And it's interesting because women in particular are often, um, they often rely on physical contact and physical presence to build really strong friendships. So when that's absent, they tend to lose their friends. So Mm. we're all being quarantined. We're all staying at home doing what we can. And therefore our friendships kind of fall away. Other reasons are, you know, a lot of people move more frequently. We're not staying in our hometown. Sure. Um, Parenting demands can be much more difficult. Um, Also just like the nature of work right now. Yeah. People are working more than they're seeing their friends. Um, And it's important to think about this because loneliness can be as harmful as smoking 15 cigarettes per day. So what are we supposed to do about it? What's (laughs) what's the recommendation? Well, I mean, we know that we can't really just like form a friendship just like that. Yeah. You know, these things take time. And it also means that you have to have a lot of vulnerability, yeah. a lot of openness. You need to, to go on retreats with yeah. people that will get your back and help you get off the Diet Coke and quit hitting snooze. Yes. And you have to put yourself out there as somebody who is like open to receiving the friendship and care from others as well. Yeah. Sometimes when you're really, really isolated, it's really easy to just keep that going, to keep staying in that spot because it's easier than how scary it might be to go try to make friends and then that not work out, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting experience for me moving to a new city. I'm going into my third year now in Los Angeles, and I have surprisingly found it much easier than ever to make friends But what I'm noticing is I'm making friends with other women who are also relatively new to LA and are like me in the fact that they're like, I don't necessarily, I didn't come here with a lot of friends. I don't necessarily know a lot of people here. So they're actively seeking a couple of close, like tight knit people to be in a crew with. And I am also doing that. And so we're finding each other. So I'm noticing that, but what I'm also noticing is those friendships started on social media first. Ah, I was going to ask you, have you ever used Bumble to try to find friends? I haven't, but I'm not opposed to it. Okay. Like each of the women I'm thinking about, I somehow came across them or they came across me on Instagram and I liked their vibe or they liked my vibe and we like started the like, oh. I like your vibe on the Instagram first, right? Like just like liking and commenting on people's stuff. And then like one of us in each of these relationships getting brave enough to be like, we should meet up in real life. Like we should meet up for a coffee or a tea. And actually I have a group of girlfriends that I go to dinner with. Sometimes it's three of us and we all met that way. Like the three Mm. of us all met each other through sending DMs to each other. And then we were like, wait, do you know her? Oh yeah, I know her too. Oh wait, you know her? Oh yeah, I know her too. We should all three start hanging out now. So yeah. uh Yeah. I have from personal experience, I have tried Bumble to find friends before. And okay. It feels harder 
than dating online, honestly. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And this is something that I've heard multiple times. And there is something where it's like, it's so hard to get out of like, let's say like the talking stage, yeah, like the stage when you're DMing back and forth and you like decide like, okay, let's Let's go have a lunch date. Yeah. Yeah. And something something is so um, normalized about, you know, romantic dating. Yeah. That something does feel feel odd about, you know, like a blind date with a friend, with a potential friend, especially since there just isn't really a paradigm for it. But while I was researching this topic, I did find that Bumble, they're... um, the friend part of the app is actually hot surging in the amount of people that are using it, specifically women. Apparently men are not really using this at all, Mm. but women are using it more and more. And there are a couple other apps that are coming out to try to do the same thing. Interesting. Um, The other thing that I've been reading about is this concept of needing to live closer to your friends. Sure. Well, that in LA, we definitely don't do. Right. <laughs> like at all. We're like, I will drive an hour to take a walk on the beach with you. That's how much I mm, like you. Yeah, yeah. You basically have gone like out of town together. Yeah. You guys have gone uh-huh. on a day trip. Where I live, so my best friend, we actually met each other living in the same home. We live in the same home that's split up into apartments. Okay. And that's how we met. We probably weren't like really great friends after six months. Sure. But then after we had both lived in the same house for three years, we became amazing friends and having that, that support right there. And that support, like that whole dynamic was so enriching to my life. And I can definitely see how like living close to your friends, it like gives you that like sitcom kind of feeling, oh, yeah. you know? I had a, uh, I, okay, when I lived in New Orleans, maybe this is kind of like a, a city, like cities like New Orleans makes this a little bit easier. But when I was living in New Orleans, I definitely had a friend's apartment scenario. My, one of my girlfriends lived up on the, the top floor of our building. She had a rooftop. It was amazing. And then I lived on um, like the mid-level of the building and I had a balcony. So we could either like be on the rooftop or be on the balcony, depending on like what was going on in the French Quarter. And it was amazing. It really was. However, I have to say one thing about it was it was really great when we were both single. Mm. Although I don't know that it was good for our health when we were both (laughs) single. We had a lot of fun. We definitely stayed up way too late. We probably had way too much champagne. And it was a little more challenging when either of us was in a relationship because it was a little like we were so used to the just like doors being open, you know, running up and down the stairs in our socks, like between each other's apartments. So when it was like time to start figuring out like the seriousness of a partnership with someone else, we maybe had a little bit of codependency going on. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. yeah, so yeah I don't yeah. know. But I, I totally get that if you have an opportunity to be living near someone who the relationship is like a co-creation, a co-commitment, co-support sort of relationship and not a codependent one, it would be really, really good for for your mindset and your well-being. Definitely. And we definitely saw that with our retreat ladies. Yes, yes. And we have many op- other opportunities for people to be meeting yeah. each other inside of WeWe as well. We sure um, do. 
Yeah. I, I'm now thinking about there's this other thing that's kind of going on on TikTok. It's a little bit of a diversion, but it kind of ties in. So it's this idea of manifesting your dreams into a water bottle. Okay, tell me what that even means. Okay, but like you kind of know what it means. I kind of, yeah, I kind of know what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can kind of guess. It's not that out there as it sounds. It's basically, it's based on this concept um, from the mid-1990s where this scientist conducted an experiment where he took samples of water from the same source but stored them in different jars and pasted different words on them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, now I know where we're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And we all know that words have different vibrations. Yep. And this was going to be his way to prove it and to figure out if water can emulate the vibrations from the words. Okay. Okay. He was successful at this. Sure. At proving that the vibrations of the words actually had an effect on the water. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's been, there has been studies on plants the same sort of thing. Like you put one plant on one side of the room, one plant on the other. They're both getting the same amount of sun and water. And one you speak lovingly to every day and one you ignore. Mm-hmm. And the plants that have been spoken to in a loving way thrive. Like there's there's uh, lots of examples of how the words you speak can impact, can make an impact for sure. Yeah. And I think also the intention. So this is where like manifesting into your water bottle comes in. Okay. And my segue here is that you can manifest more friendships by oh. manifesting with your water bottle. That's so the what trend we're gonna do. on TikTok is to manifest your dream body and you're taking it a step further and saying, sure, yeah. manifest your dream body and get some really amazing friendships. Because also, the way. let's be honest, like the body that you're in is perfect anyways. For sure. So why bother trying to manifest a dream body? You're already in it. Yeah. So let's try to manifest something that's like really, really great for our health and manifest more friends into our life. Sure. So in order to do this, basically you'll take a piece of paper and write down what you're trying to manifest. Make sure that you're not using any negative connotations. You take a glass and fill it with water. And then you activate the energy flow in your hands by rubbing your palms together and then hold the glass bottle and then recite what you have written down, either out loud or silently. Visualize what you're saying until you really feel that energy in you. So you're really like Mm -hmm. embodying the intention and then you drink the water. Oh, yeah. As if you are like filling yourself up with that intention of what you are trying to call in. So it's like a physical embodiment as well. Completely. I totally get this. I went to a workshop with Jaleesa Cypress, Mm -hmm. who has been on our show, and we did this in her workshop. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. She didn't didn't talk about the dream body part, of course. (laughs) She was talking about, okay, what is it that you want to manifest? What are the dreams, the wishes? Like, what's really on your mind? Mm Mm-hmm. I think it was at the beginning of the year. So I think it was kind of a a call call to the new year of what you wanted to create for the year. And in the workshop, she had us do exactly what you just described. So love it. I think that's really fun. And it has some, there's some scientific evidence that says that this can make a difference in how 
you are ultimately vibrating, like what frequencies you're vibrating at. So very cool. Yeah. They even say that you can store the water and Mm -hmm. then take sips from it every once in a while, like as if you're charging yourself up with that positive vibration. And again, it's like, if you're a little bit skeptical, you can think of it as, you know, it's this intention that you're always coming back to in this habit Mm -hmm. that's reminding you of what you're moving towards. Yeah. I think that could be really powerful. I like it. I like it. I think that's a good one for us. That's a lot of fun. Okay. So the next the next, I don't even know if I would call this a trend. I guess it maybe is a trend, but it's just something that's going on out there that you put in our notes. So we're going to talk about this. And it's the idea of having to apply to get into a gym. And it's like, these are gyms that aren't necessarily like, they're not even necessarily calling them gyms. It's like, they're calling them wellness destinations or like something of that sort. So it's basically like you have to go through an interview process. You have to maybe even take like a fitness assessment. You maybe even have to like turn over your social media handle, write some sort of essay. And the intention is that your intention in that process is that you want to become a member of a very specific type of wellness club, wellness destination. And it seems that the owners of these places are trying to cultivate some sort of specific community through this application process. Is that is that is that the story? Yes. So like for example, Remedy Place. Have you heard of Remedy oh, Place? Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely have heard of it. And actually one of one of my clients who has a wellness shop and spa and it's not in LA and it's not Remedy Place, but she told me about Remedy Place because she was looking at their the menu of services they have available. And she was like, this is, this is like really forward and interesting, a really interesting service menu. So that was the first time I heard of it It was a couple of years ago and she shared it with me. Yeah. I mean, the services are amazing. I mean, you've got cryotherapy, IV drips, a hyperbaric oxygen chamber, even like sound baths. Yep. I will say that the memberships are like 600 to $2,700 a month. Not cheap. So it's not cheap, but very cool. Might be worth it. The thing is, is that when they take applications, so to your point before, the kind of people that they're looking for, they're not even, there isn't even like a specific rule of like, these are the requirements for people to be a member of our, um, what they call social wellness club. Mm Mm-hmm. They are just looking for people who are generally a good representation of the brand, okay? That they are somebody who they want to see at Remedy Place. And the founder, Dr. Jonathan Leary, actually said that that average member would be a young professional in their 30s. So that's what they're looking for. Okay. And a lot of gyms, this is the vibe, they are looking for not they want necess- like young people yeah. with a very specific type of career. No, nor are they necessarily looking for you to have like a certain job, a certain salary, anything that would be specific. They're just looking for cool people. Okay, got yeah. it. It's kind of like going to a, a, a regular club. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like standing outside of a regular club in like Miami or New York City basically. Okay. But question is, 
And I mentioned to you, I mentioned this to you before we started recording, but like the vibe, a part of the vibe that I'm getting, and I actually said I wasn't going to even mention this, but now I am. The, <laughs> the vibe I'm kind of getting is like, they don't want fitness influencers. And these are cities that have a lot of people like that. Like we're talking about LA, we're talking about New York. I'm sure they have places like this in Austin and, and Miami. So it seems like they want people that are going to like come have good, like some sort of like looking cool, looking good, but are not going to be like making a scene. Right. Is that true? That's true in some circumstances. And I also don't necessarily think that curating a community, especially in a space like a gym where some people are already so afraid to go in the first place is such a bad thing. You know, it's like, I love going to gyms that have an area that's like just for women. Yeah. I feel so much safer. I feel like I can wear whatever I want. Yeah. You know, that makes sense to me. Yeah. And I like to go to phone free yoga studios or phone free Pilates studios because I do live in a place where there are a lot of fitness influencers (laughs) and I don't want my Pilates workout being filmed by somebody else, even though they're not trying to film me, they're trying to film themselves. I'm like, that is taking me out of like my practice and my workout. Like that doesn't feel good to me. Sure. Yeah. So I don't think that, you know, this curation is necessarily, you know, the the part to critique here. I think that what's being critiqued right now is how exclusive these gyms are that don't really have clear clear boundaries. Sure. Okay. So you can like discriminate fairly freely against whatever you deem you know, is not cool enough or not a great representation of your brand to be able to be there, even if you are willing to put up $2,700 a month to use their services. Sure. Yeah. I'm I'm like, also, do I need to go try to apply to get into some of these and see if they're like, you're in your 40s, ma'am. You are not welcome. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, the, you know, and when you really think about healthcare in the United States, in particular, we don't provide enough care in general. Sure. And then now we're placing even more restrictions on who can receive some of these alternative forms of care. Yeah. It's just, yeah, seems a little dated to me. For sure. In the New York Times article that you shared with me, there was one studio, it was like a acro studio or a trampoline studio or something like that. And in the article, the owner said, when they opened it up to what they were calling like public days where like mm-hmm. anybody could come, it actually was like a better vibe. Right. Like to- Well, and also I have seen that a lot of these more exclusive gyms have opened up to the public more. And mm-hmm. what tends to happen when they open up to the public more then they do tend to lose their cool factor a little bit sure. in, you know, a general sense of the word. Um, but the fact that they are opening up to the public might hint that their um, their strategy of being more exclusive isn't quite working. Sure. Interesting. Okay. Well, this will be something to keep an eye on. And, you know, the other thing that I just like don't love about it is it is so hard for people, for many people to get up the courage to go and work out in public. And especially after two years of having to do so much of that at home and people are like finding their way back into 
places that could be really supportive of their well-being and then for someone to make a decision that they want to do it and then be told, no, nah, you're not really for us. That feels that feels gross. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So the next thing on your list is darkness retreats. And the question of will this take off as a thing in wellness travel? So I have to say first, as soon as you shared this with me, I was like, mm, this is a thing that white people are co-opting from indigenous people because darkness retreats, like I'm using air quotes when I say darkness retreats, are very much like a long-standing shamanic practitioner, wisdom keeper, elder sort of practice, like going way back to ancient times. I mean, you can read many, many stories of um, the Mayans, for example, using caves and specifically darkness as a ritualistic practice and and practices for all sorts of things, whether it be um, ceremonies, but also ways to get in further touch with your sensory, um, your sensory experiences and and inherently then that en enhances your inner wisdom. Like there's so many stories about this out there. So when I saw this, I was like, oh, now we're just branding this darkness retreats. Right. And turning it into a money-making activity. Yeah. And you definitely, I feel like I brought this up, but you definitely know more about this than I do. Like you were immediately like, oh, I know exactly what this is and what's going on here. And I was still a bit like, huh? Like what is happening? Yeah. And basically the way that it's being used in more modernized version of dark retreats, which is what I was reading about, was that it's basically a retreat where you stay in com complete darkness and it promotes lucid dreams and hallucinations. Mm -hmm. um, some of the participants kind of describe it as like a dreamlike sleep, but awake. Um, and yeah, what do you think? Would you ever do something like this? I would totally do something like it. I mean, I've done, this would not be considered a darkness retreat, but I've done some practices with indigenous people being invited into a space by someone who I would certainly not lead this. This would be something that I would look to an elder to share. And if they were willing to share it with me or the people I was with, then I would participate. But I've done some things like the Temescal ceremonies in Mexico, where it's like several hours in darkness and like a really small confined, it's kind of like a little sweat lodge sort of space. And there is some of this like this experience, a part of the experience is being in the dark in a really like challenging environment and what that does for your mindset over the course of a couple of hours. And again, like that's a couple of hours, but I, I would, I would definitely do something like this. Um, and yeah, I would, I would do something like it, but I would want to make sure that whoever was offering it was you know, that it just, that it was, that had, it had integrity. Yeah. I think that those are really, really good guidelines for looking at this in the future. Um, I did see that there used to be this study about um, cave research and yeah. basically people would spend like anywhere between 80 to 130 days in caves and almost always they would lose their sense of time. Mm -hmm. That yeah, totally. would be how they would feel. They would either sleep for like 
30 hours at a time, waking up and believing that they had just napped for a couple of minutes. Um, or sometimes they would feel total sensory deprivation. Yeah. And they would hallucinate. Um, and even one participant described that they were like singing and crying before they finally fell into a state of deep paranoia. Yeah. These were for extremely extended periods of time in dark. Again, it was like 80 to 130 days. So there are some cultures, and these are specifically indigenous cultures, that the children who are identified as potential wisdom keepers, medicine people, they go live in caves in darkness for several years in their childhood. And I remember reading up to like six years that they're living in complete darkness. There's a book called Cave and Cosmos, and it's by a guy whose name is Michael Harner. He actually has a shamanic school. I did some training with his school a couple of years ago. He himself is a shaman and spent many years living amongst indigenous people in Peru. And he tells some of these stories of these like extended periods of time living specifically in the darkness in caves. So interesting. I had no idea that this was even a thing. It's a thing. And it's supposed to, for someone who's naturally like gifted at being able to explore alternate realities, it's supposed to make your abilities much, much mm. stronger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was also reading that um, in Tibetan Buddhism, it can also be used to strengthen your spirituality. And like the belief is that you will face ancient deities mm. while you yeah. are in the dark. Um, I don't know if a darkness retreat is for me necessarily, maybe like a, a short, a short retreat. A short, like, four-hour retreat into the dark might be good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just need to do the sweat lodge for a couple of hours and there we go. you'll be good to go. Yeah, I'll do that. Or I could just do maybe, like, a shower in the dark. I could just do that. That sounds more just like a spa, That's a spa <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> okay, speaking of showers, so the next thing on the list, and this is the last thing for this episode, is it's a maximalist shower. It is called the everything shower. And I want you to tell us what this is. But I have to say when you were talking about it to me earlier today, I was like, Oh, like, this is just me. I'm, I'm like seeing right now. This is how I shower. Yeah, no, this is like classic case of TikTok naming something that already exists. But because they name it, it instantly it becomes, becomes a, a trend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. it instantly becomes an actual thing. So the everything shower is basically it's kind of like your weekly shower, whether it's at the beginning of the week or the end of the week or in the middle. It's just that shower that you do everything. Right. So right. it's like not the sh it's not the daily like 6 a.m. You just no. got back from like your gym. I don't know who actually goes to the gym at 5 a.m. But like, let's pretend you did go to the gym at 5 a.m. You just got back from the shower and you've got like two minutes to like rinse off and like get ready for your first Zoom calls of the day. It's not that shower. It's the shower in which it's like, I'm going to do my dry brushing and then I'm going to gua sha every part of my body, which I definitely <laughs> do that. I like do a full body. I do a dry brush, a full body gua sha. And then I sometimes do a pre-shower oil. 
Then I get in the shower, do my all the things with my body, like body scrub. Um, I do a body cream and a body like a body wash. So I do like a scrub, a wash, and then a cream. And then if I'm shaving, I shave too. Um, then oh, I have a thing that's in my book actually, and it's this like it's this like um, sandalwood powder. And it's like you put it on and you let it sit as a mask. So sometimes I do the scrub, the body wash. Then I do the the sandalwood like powder mask. And then I do the cream and then I rinse. And that's just the body. We haven't even started now talking about like the scalp oil and the like scalp scrub brush that I have. And then like shampoo my hair and then do my deep conditioner, you know, we have an, or the face stuff that I would do in the shower too. Like there's some days Ben is like, what could possibly be going on in there for all that time? Wait, so you do this every time you shower? Not every time. Okay. No. Not every time. <laughs> no, not on the days where I'm like, okay, I just got back from yoga and I need to jump in the shower. And then I've got like zoom meetings to get to not on that day. Right. I do this like probably like in fairness, like the whole thing. I would do like once a week and parts of the thing I would do a couple times a week. Like I do my dry brush almost every time I shower. Mm. I do a scrub and a body wash almost like every time I shower. I definitely don't wash my hair every time I shower. Like washing hair for me is like a once a week thing. So there's more time for scrubbing and gua shying because I'm doing less hair washing. So yeah. That, Amazing. I'm I'm learning so much about Andy's mm-hmm. shower routine. <laughs> and I love a good shower. I mean, you know, one of the things we teach in some of our in some of our programs is doing the goddess baths. Uh-huh. And I think the got a goddess bath is amazing, but I also really love what I call a goddess shower. Yeah, I definitely feel like uh, a shower is is more my energy. A lot of people, okay, so a lot of people don't go as hard on their showers as Andy, mm-hmm. but these okay. everything showers, <laughs> they're the things that you do like before you have a night out or even like before a date or maybe it's like your Sunday thing. I kind of, I do that where it's like I will have very quick showers and then at the very end of the week, like either before the weekend or after the weekend is over, I will have like this whole routine that has like the pre-shower, the shower, the post-shower, and it's like a whole thing. And that's my everything shower. And this can include, okay, for if anybody wants any more ideas, I'll add in my own my own two cents. Mm-hmm. If you drink a little bit of magnesium before you get in the shower, it has a lovely, like, just the stress goes down, light the candle, get the shower steamers out. That's the pre-shower. And then while you're in the shower, you do the scalp scrub, the shampoo, you like you do you have one of those like scalp scrubbers? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. You use one of those. And then you do like a mask um inside of the shower. And then you can do like the full shave, the full pedicure routine, okay. the full body wash. And then once you get out, then you can really like set yourself up with some oils, anoint yourself. 
And then I think that you'd like this, like a little piece of dark chocolate oh, or like yeah. mushroom chocolate for at sure. the end. That yeah. sounds amazing. Okay. Well, Samantha, thank you for joining me in my room here in Bali. Of course, Andy. Thank you for having me in Bali. Yeah, so much fun. And we are going to keep doing these episodes all year long in which we talk about all good and interesting and sometimes kind of kind of, kind of ugly things too. But mostly the good and delicious and juicy things going on in the wellness world. We'll keep bringing this all year long. So thanks for doing all this research for us. Of course, anytime. See you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode today. Oh my gosh, we are literally having so much fun here and just talking about everything. So, hey, we're sharing that with you too. If you've loved this episode and want to share it on social, that helps us out so much when you do that. When you tell your friends about this show, you can tag us at your woo woo BFF. And of course, if you have not yet left us a review, that would be so helpful for us too. You can do that by taking a look at the app that you're listening to the show on right now, no matter what it is, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Pods, whatever it might be. And just scroll down until you see the section to rate and or review the show. We'll be back again next week with another episode from Bali. I am loving being able to share this experience with you. One more episode from Bali, and then I'll be back in Los Angeles before taking off for some additional travels later on this spring. With that, this episode is a wrap. I'll see you here next week. Much love.